in case you missed it on Newsbreak. And a very good afternoon and welcome to Newsbreak Talk. I'm Talisha Naidu standing in for Taresh Hari Prashad. It's International Day of Persons with Disabilities tomorrow. The day aims to promote an understanding of disability issues. The right of persons with disabilities gains to be derived from the integration of persons with disabilities in every aspect of the political social, economic and cultural life of their communities. In South Africa, 3rd December also marks the beginning of the Disability Awareness Month. The day provides an opportunity to mobilize action to achieve the goal of full and equal enjoyment of human rights and participation in society by persons with disability. But the question I am asking you today is, do disabled persons have those equal rights or are disabled people more vulnerable in society? You can give your views a voice. That number is 071-613-7803. You can send us a message on WhatsApp or you could even call us. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. Well, joining me in studio this afternoon is our guest today, was Kevin Naidu. He's a training officer, a motivational speaker, comrades marathon runner. I'm just running out of breath. Kevin is also a person with a disability, which is a hearing impairment. A very good afternoon, Kevin, and welcome to Newsbreak. Good afternoon to you and good afternoon to the listeners. Kevin, you know, it's it's marking a momentous day for the community of uh, persons living with disabilities tomorrow. But tell me first, you know, you weren't born with a disability. Tell me, how did that happen? It is indeed a, a momentous day for all of us when it comes to the 3rd of December. With regards to people with disability, I, you're right. Um, one of the time I was from what I could recall and what my family could recall when I was more or less three years old. Uh, I've actually been to, uh, for an operation um, to the hospital King Edward in, um, you know, and at that time they did an operation and obviously it wasn't successful. So you find that to the right of my right ear, there's actually a hole through it. So it's damaged my tympanic membrane. So from the time I was three years right till the time I'm 42, uh, I've always had uh, no hearing at him. However, during the time from that time, my left ear, which was currently at about 90%, has now reduced to about 25 to 30% of natural hearing on my left ear. So without my hearing aid, I cannot hear you. Mm. So, uh, and during that time, I had to lip read. So I'm only using a hearing aid for the last 10, close to about 12 years now. Talking about your lip reading, and I want to get into your career because, uh, you know, just reading all of this and describing you as a person, a training officer, motivational speaker, your comrades marathon, you're taking it all on. But where did it start for you with your career? Because I do understand that uh, your first job wasn't a training officer. A hundred percent. I've actually started uh, with the South African post office. I was actually a cleaner. I mean, literally getting down on the floors and uh, you know, scrubbing the floors, cleaning toilets, making tea. And um, But for me, it's just been the attitude uh, of where I wanted to grow. And uh, whenever I had the opportunity to work on the counter or being a teller, uh, I took that, uh, you know, with hands open. And for me, for anybody that knows Kevin Naidu, and if he asked to describe one quality of for me, it mm. will be attitude. And for me, that's been very uh, uh, clearly demonstrated uh, over the years, whether it's got to do with my work, uh, whether it's in my personal life, in, including in my, in my running as well. Uh, and, and that for me, it's... Uh, you know, it's never die, uh, never say die attitude. It's always a positive attitude. Um, I'm a firm believer of turn challenges into opportunities rather than turning an opportunity into challenges. Great motto. I must say, though, it must have been very challenging working at the South African Post Office where you're dealing daily with customers coming in and being able to be on the other side of a very thick glass, which is you know, even difficult for a person who has, you know, 100% hearing capabilities. How challenging was it for you? It was indeed challenging. But I think over the time for me, uh, it heightened my senses, my thinking. Uh, you know, that is where I've got the lip reading much more. And uh, this is a step that is not going to be accomplished in many years to come. I used to serve between 200 to 400 customers a day when I was a teller and literally I'm talking about car licenses you know the challenges that we have mm. currently with car licenses I used to serve I used to do that day in day out and 
the moment the customers come in, you sort of know what they want. So the customers came in, I need to pay the light account. I said, okay, full amount. So straight away, as soon as the customers are walking in, you sort of, I, I was able to sense that. And that's what I used that to my advantage. I think that my, my sixth sense uh, came into play and uh, I've done that phenomenal. So I think that that's one it is when it comes to a person with disability, but let alone anybody for that matter. I think most people, including myself, but I've changed that philosophy in the last few years. We tend to change because we feel the heat, not because we see the light. Yeah. And that's for me has been key. Were there any bad experiences? Uh, with regards to the post office, yes. I mean, uh, quite a few times, uh, I mean, the customer was talking to me and for some reason uh, he thought I was ignoring him. Mm. And all of a sudden he shouted at me. And this is a two separate uh, incidents. And all of a sudden the, the teller on the right hand side actually said, sorry, you know, he told the customer off and said, you know, you're being very rude. Uh, my colleague is actually a person that's hard of hearing. Uh, that was one incident. The other incident was with the, the postmistress being in an office overheard the, the customer complaining, you know, making the same statement again. She came and she took up with the customer. And I actually went and I was like, panicking because should head office get hold of this uh, customer complaining mm. to be bad and both of them actually stood by me and said you know what Kevs uh, you've got uh, you're getting disability there's nothing you can do about it but you're one of our best workers mm. and um, that's actually been quite nice for me and then where I've actually got to use my wearing aid uh, after I've been headhunted by an FMCG company and I've been there for about close to about six or seven months and my regional manager which I used to report directly he called me to his office and says, uh, you know what, uh, everybody in the office notices you've got a hearing problem. If I tell you, I was sweating buckets of water. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I was about to run out of the office. Yeah. He calmed me down and said, no, don't really worry. He only says to me, you are my best staff. I love your attitude. That's why I employed you. And he asked me if I did have a hearing aid. I said, yes, I do. He said, do me a favor, use it. And he says, if anyone tells you anything bad, don't say anything to them. Come call, come to my office, close the door, and tell me. And trust me, I will lambaste that person. But it's quite funny. It was nobody actually uh, complained. Nobody said anything. The most supportive. I started to become more confident. Uh, by that time, I, I grew my hair long just to cover the hearing aid. Uh, and it worked in both ways because that's how I got into the acting. But before you, you go on to acting, I, I want to know, you know, great to have that support from your colleagues, building your confidence and making you feel better, motivating you. But how did you feel when you had those bad customers or when you had to grow your hair to cover your hearing aid? How did that make you feel? It had to do something to your self-confidence. Him as you speak now, it takes me back to those times. Hmm. Uh, it's a place nobody wants to be. Describe it to me. And uh, it's, it's a feeling of, of worthless, a place where the moment somebody says to you, I mean, I used to be in conversations, and when I get introduced, I'll be having a conversation, for example, I'll probably, probably have a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, uh, so the mutual friend between us and says, did you know Kevin's got a wearing problem? All of a sudden, you go quiet. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I do now? And then I'll just tell you, you know what, uh, I'm just going to have a glass of water. And I never come back to the conversation. Makes and, you feel uh, like the the sort I mean. Yeah, and but now, um, I mean, in 2012, uh, 2013, I just woke up in the morning and just told the wife I'm going for the haircut, and I came back with short hair, uh, <laughs> and she says, "I," she says, "You know, I do support you, and are you ready to take on this challenge?" And I said, "Yes, I am." But mm. now, when I have the conversation with someone that's unknown to me, I just pick me up and said, "Just to let you know, before we continue further into the conversation and so forth, I've got a hearing problem." Mm. But a lot, and the responses is now, but. But Kevs, if you didn't tell us, we wouldn't know. So uh, it's a mind, it's, it's sort of a, a tag that's attached to people with disability. That uh, if you have a disability, irrespective of what the disability it is, you must be able to be your, seen. Illiter your literacy levels and intellectual levels are very low. Um, and I eventually now I'm going to say I'm just three months away from finishing my MBA. That's great. So those. And for me to have this conversation, you know, when I sit back and I look and I tell it's not about ego or arrogance to get the message. It's about saying that our minds, irrespective of whether you're a person with disability, whether you're an elder, whether you're a youngster, uh, irrespective of whether from a race point of view, your mind is limitless. It's what you can do with it. Uh, but it's up to you to make that call.
And that's exactly what I think the Disability Awareness Month and International uh, Day of Persons with Disabilities is trying to do. It's trying to raise awareness and make sure that they achieve that goal of full and equal enjoyment of human rights and participation in society by persons with disabilities. Well, you know, if you're listening to Kevin's story and if you're going through the same thing and if you have that same feelings and emotions that Kevin do, then you can call in. Give us your views today. Tell us what do you think and answer the question that I think we're asking is do disabled persons have equal rights or do disabled persons are they more vulnerable in society that number is 089-310-8789 or you can even give your views a voice on whatsapp that number is 071-613-7803 the views and opinions expressed on newsbreak talk do not represent those of sabc news or lotus fm azam flower because when it comes to family Love is what matters. Millions in Africa love Azam flour. Be it in roti, cakes, bread, or donuts, Azam flour brings the love alive. Heart of the family. Try us, then trust us. Azam flour. Well, this is News Break Talk. I'm Talisha Adam. Standing in for Taresh Hari Prashant today. It's International Day of Persons with Disabilities tomorrow. Now, News Break Talk producer Rachel Vardy did an interview where she found out empowering persons with disabilities and ensuring inclusiveness and equality is this year's theme for International Day of Persons with Disabilities or World Disability. But how inclusive are people with disabilities in the workplace? Newsbreak spoke to Chief Executive Officer of Disability Workshop Development Enterprise, that's DWDE, Mrs. Under Dilgan, about DWD's experience in placing people with disabilities in different workplaces. Disability Workshop Development Enterprise was launched about 12 years ago. And what makes us unique is that we focus specifically on employment. So we focus on across different disabilities. So we have been able to assist deaf people, people with hearing impairments, physical disabilities, intellectual disabilities. We focus specifically on employment in the labor market and also on assisting protective workshops to become more sustainable. And how successful have you been with placing people with disabilities in the workplace? Um, With the inception of the triple BEE scorecard. The triple BEE scorecard has a number of elements that make it, that incentivize companies, and now I mean incentivize them financially, to look at skills development of persons with disabilities, also employment. And then there's also a big focus on learnerships. So since the legislative framework has become more enabling, there's definitely been quite a lot of demand for us to recruit, identify, match, and place suitable people. Now, I think one of our biggest programs was probably with youth specifically. It was called the SEDISA program, Careers for Youth with Disabilities in South Africa. And that program had as its outcome for us to place 500 people. One of our flagship projects was the Jobs Fund project, which we implemented between 2012 and 2016. And that program has had as its outcome for us to train 2,500 people and place about 1,200 people in four different provinces of South Africa, the Western Cape province, the Eastern Cape province, Gauteng, and then also, of course, KZN. So after 12 years of being in the market, we we can cite quite a number of success stories by now. While you have had so much of success, are there any challenges that people with disabilities face in the workplace? The biggest barrier to employment still today remains stereotypes. You know, and this comes back from the fact that perhaps as children, 
people with disabilities went to special schools and weren't necessarily integrated into mainstream schools. So from little on already, from us being little as humans, we created, whenever we see something that is different to us, we create our own perceptions of what that would be like. And also the stereotype that we are often seen as less productive, more welfare cases, and so on. And while there are, of course, people who need some sort of security, social net, security net, it's the productive people who do yearn for an opportunity to make a productive contribution to society. It's often that they are stereotyped. Then, of course, different, the different types of disabilities carry their own perceptions. You know, we, we can speak about reasonable accommodation. We can, we can address the perception that to employ somebody with a disability will be expensive, that if it's discussed openly between our staff and perhaps the HR department of a specific company, if those things are laid out on the table honestly and openly, we can address that and kind of alleviate the anxiety around that. But it's discrimination inside that people don't speak about, and that's very hard for us to address because it remains hidden. But having said that, when we find companies that are committed, it's truly, truly amazing. And that was CEO of Disability Workshop Development Enterprise, Ms. Inga Delgan, talking there to Newsbreak Talk producer Rachel Vardy. And exactly, I think, Kevin, what she's talking about is that stigma associated with disability. We also have a message that came through on our WhatsApp line that says, unfortunately, not much has been done in changing our mindsets, attitudes and stereotypes towards persons with disabilities. Education should start at home level and at preschool and school level. Persons with disabilities must be accepted and integrated into our society, schools and at other workplaces. At um, our facilities, such as schools, workplaces, trains, buses, etc., disability-friendly, that uh, I understand should become. Now is the time for inclusivity. We can do it, and that's from Raj and Raj Kumar in Cape Town. I think, Kevin, you know, we were just talking about that a little earlier on. You found out when you were three years old that you had a hearing impairment. As a child, did you face any of those stigmas? Did you find yourself questioning yourself whether you were the, as you know, just an, uh, another three-year-old? What stigmas did you face and, and, you know, what challenges did you have with stereotypes? Let's put it this way. When I went to primary school, my friends were never from my class. My friends... I mean, the kids that I used to hang out were older than me, were in fact my neighbors that when we stayed in the flat. And I think for that reason, for some reason, over and that actually, uh, my maturity levels have, uh, and I became very mature very quickly because I used to hang out uh, with the elders, the older people. And I think that's what actually happens. Uh, you want a sense of belonging. From a family point of view, and it's, you know, quite a sensitive topic, like with me, uh, my mom's late, my dad's late, uh, but both has been supportive, but uh, my dad's been more supportive, he's more sensitive type. My mom's been quite strong. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, and I could recall one incident where I've actually got into a fight with my neighbor and all of a sudden my brother comes by and he splashes this guy and he says, nobody touches my little brother. And he says, and this was many years after my dad passed away, and he said, you know what, dad always said that I should look after you. So you find that part, that aspect of, uh, uh, from a sibling point of view, from a family point of view, becoming overprotective. Mm. Then you get the other ones. Is the other cases we are facing is that some of them didn't even know who I was, but they knew the rest of my family members. So I wasn't mentioned on that. Did you feel at that point invisible? Yes. But although I was, yeah, a lot of people didn't even know who I was. Mm. They didn't even know. Uh, but as time, I think in the last, as time was going by, I realized from a maturity point, I, I understood where they came from. Yes, it, it did disappoint me and hurt me at that time. But when you get over it, that's one part. But it's not an easy thing as well. But, you know, when you start to stand your own true grounds and you realize uh, you want to be better than yesterday, you want to be the best that you can be. And I think right now, in terms of uh, all the challenges that I've overcome through the accomplishments, I think, uh, and it's a, it's a scene that's, uh, that was in the movie Black, where Rani Mukherjee says, you know what, 
now that I'm standing on stage, everybody's going to say, that's my child. Likewise, I think a lot of them now would, want to be, would say, you know what, I know Kevin. But when I want to look back and say, you know what, I inspired people. As, you know, as a, a, a child in primary school, do you think facing all those, you know, moments where you were teased and you were maybe perhaps bullied or, or any other person with disability facing those challenges, do you think now that you're an adult that there needs to be more education at school levels? They need That education needs to start even at home where parents... As they're teaching their children about, you know, sexual abuse and about HIV and AIDS, they need to also teach their children in schools and at homes how to be sensitive towards persons with disabilities. When I look back, and there's a comment that I love to use, leaders say no, leaders stand up and say, I don't know, and I'm prepared to learn. I think from society and parents uh, and those when I say leadership, I'm talking about the elders and so forth. I think that's where they need to come to. Because whenever we have discussions on uh, people, with dis- on any discussion, on any level, if there's a problem, and especially with, if you look at this abuse, nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to ask questions. And even if you do offer that advice, it's like, I'm okay, I'm fine, we're fine. But that problem still remains. If I'm fine and the problem remains, it doesn't make your child better. Mm. It makes you more worse of a, of a parent. When I look better as that. But Kevin, you know, you're a motivational speaker. Let's say, you know, you, you're speaking to um, a group of five-year-olds. How do you motivate them and tell them, group of five-year-olds that, that are facing different disabilities, how do you motivate them and tell them, you're not really different? Or is telling them different... Is, is it a good thing? You know, I'm, I'm asking you from maybe a parent's point of view or a sibling's point of view, or even an educator. How do you, do you talk to them and tell them that you're different but not different, if you get me? We have six children. Hmm. Uh, I've got in total nine nieces and nephews put together. And the funny thing is, everybody calls me homie K or brother K. And, hmm. and it's, it's, it's about... Able to understand them. I mean, a lot of, between my nieces and nephews, they love being around me. It's about coming to their level. You know, sometimes you're just saying two words. One is acknowledging, and two saying thank you. Hmm. Sometimes saying to kids, you're a star. You're a champion. My eldest nephew, I went into one of the service providers, and I actually walked out. But prior to that, I said to the lady, thanks, you are a star. And he, when he walked out, he says to me, my mama, why do you always tell everybody you are a star? I said, firstly, didn't she smile? So that now she'll do a better job. Secondly, didn't she give us the best service in terms of fixing our, our, our problem? He says, yes. I said, that's what it's about. So the, I, that's what with the little kids, they want to see, they want to feel like they are the heroes. They want to be appreciated and acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Kevin, we, we're moving on from the childhood factor now and we're going to go back into the workplace because we do also have many adults that are facing challenges in the workplace. You know, as it is, there is an uh, estimated one billion people living with disabilities worldwide who face many barriers of, you know, to inclusion in many key aspects of society. And as a result, people with disabilities do not enjoy access to society on an equal basis with others. But we're talking about disabilities. We're talking about International Day of Persons with Disabilities, which will be commemorated tomorrow. It aims to promote the understanding of disability issues, the rights of persons with disabilities, and a whole host more. You can get and be part of this conversation. That WhatsApp number is 071-613-7803, or you can even call us in studio this afternoon. That number is 089-310-8789. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM.
Well, an arts festival aimed at promoting inclusivity in the industry is underway in Cape Town. Artsability creates a platform for people living with disabilities to work together with able-bodied persons in a wide range of art genres. The event at the Artscape Theatre is taking place during the International Week of Persons Living with Disabilities. This is a great event for young adults as well. Tandisa Mao reports. Martin Sodoms injured his spine in a diving accident nearly 22 years ago. Being a quadriplegic did nothing to quell his love or talent for the arts. After a period in rehab, he was introduced to mouth painting. Sodoms is among the artists exhibiting at the festival. It actually helps a lot with people that usually would not get the uh, um, exposed, maybe they sit at home, they have, have talents and stuff like that. So, you know, allow the people to bring out their talents and showcase whatever they can do, whether it's dance or, you know, art or whatever they can do. Yeah. The festival, now in its fourth year, has performances in dance, poetry, music, fashion design, film, and visual arts. It's also aimed at breaking stereotypes in society. It's the brainchild of the Unmute Dance Company based at the Artscape Theatre. Artistic Director at Unmute Dance, Nadine McKenzie, says productions featured include local and international artists. In South Africa as a whole, especially in the arts industry, there were not many opportunities for people with disabilities or um, programs or spaces where artists with disabilities could come and showcase their work. And the main aim was with, the, with this festival was to create that platform whereby people can work together inclusively and come and showcase their work regardless of what what their disability is, and for the focus to be the work and not the disability itself. International Day of Persons with Disabilities is observed on the 3rd of December. The festival will conclude with a live concert on Sunday. I'm Tandi in Cape Town. Very good afternoon to you if you've just tuned in. This is a news break talk. I'm Talisha Nader standing in for Thuresh Hari Pashad. It's exactly 13.33. We're talking about International Day for Persons with Disabilities that will be commemorated tomorrow. Our guest in studio today is Kevin Naidu. Kevin comes with a host, a host, a host, a host of stuff. He's a uh, training officer, motivational speaker, comrades marathon runner and uh, he's a person with a disability as well, which is a hearing impairment but you'd never say because he is, as you'd say, you know, dynamite comes in small packages. But uh, Kevin, you know, I I got a message that came through now from uh, the WhatsApp line that says um, my son wears a hearing aid and we were very disturbed when his Afrikaans teacher told him that he was useless. However, he has excelled in school. He had a bursary to study actuarial science, but decided to pursue a career in accounting. He is now an accountant and four more subjects to qualify as a CA. And that's from Anonymous. Well, you know, congratulations to your son for uh, pursuing in that and proving his Afrikaans teacher wrong. But Kevin, you know, it's this often happens where uh, we were even dis- discussing this that children are often being pushed, especially those who face disabilities, to go into specialized schools. And um, Inga spoke to uh, about it. Our Newsbreak Talk producer spoke about it that they're being pushed to go to these schools. Is it fair? My congratulations to another champion. Mm. And this is a. Uh, for me, phenomenal, phenomenal, and uh, no, well done. And that's what it's again. If you look at, if you take the, what is the main thing that, the driving force behind that attitude, and that's what comes out very clearly as well. Sadly, though, again, it's the understanding, sensitization is what needed. Uh, whether it's got to do from an employee point of view, whether it's got to do from a school point of view, and you know, generally with the, in society in general. And you find that, I mean, uh, as you was reading out that message, you know, I started to get uh, goosebumps. Mm. And, you know, for me, it actually went back. And I remembered many years ago when I was in primary school, I'd been told that I had to go to Vienna. I actually cried to my dad and said, I don't want to go to Vienna. Now, Vienna is known uh, for the, sco- uh, the school for hearing impairment. Mm. Uh, that alone will tell you something. But wh- why do we always... So eventually... 
Uh, and as a few years later, I actually went to a normal school. Uh, I matriculated and uh, it's been difficult, it's been challenging. And the simple things was, and it's quite the same, in standard four, you know, we used to have uh, spelling and language. Mm. So every time the teacher used to say the word, but if you say it from the back of the class, and I used to sit in probably the second row or third row, so I didn't even know what it was. So whatever word that came to mind, I just wrote. So if he said apple, I wrote orange. It's whatever but you were But eventually you noticed, I mean, I'm, in all my other subjects, I'm doing quite well. In my t- but when it comes to spelling and language, I'm actually getting it wrong. I'm doing very bad. <clears throat> so then one day, he decided to stand in front of me. And he said those words. He looked at me. I acknowledged it. And I wrote the words. My spelling, my marks were much more higher. So from that time, as time was going by, so whenever he spoke, he making sure that I acknowledged him. And the funny part is, 25 years later, sorry, about 20 years later, as a customer, that when I spoke to him, and I actually re, uh, told him exactly what it was. And he's actually like, he's sort of uh, humbled about it. Uh, if quite a few of my teachers at, uh, at even that senior level, they would actually say to him, but uh, we just need you to sit in the front not because you're bad or doing anything wrong, because we want you to see an improvement, we understand. So there were certain subjects, like maths was my favorite, I used to be at the back. Mm. So Afrikaans was a bit of a week, but I should be at the front. So the teachers sort of accommodated. However, not everyone is accommodating. That's one part. The other part is, it's how they see it. It's not how you see it. And there's an HR myth that you cannot have five career choices. You cannot. If you're in the sales, you can be a salesman. You cannot be a key account. You cannot be an admin officer. You cannot work on the field. They dictate your future. But if you really look, as you mentioned just now, in terms of my curriculum, of what I've done, you'll realize I'm, it's quite different. There's every little aspect. Now, that's where the challenge, this is where, back in the days, it would be nice if they reinvent the wheel and bring it back and think, you should have uh, guidance counselors or career counselors, you know, from the beginning. Bring in the parents uh, and say, this is it. This is what we suggest. What do you suggest? Take the child home, speak to him and see what he likes. Are you saying, uh, Kevin, then by promoting empowerment, real opportunities for people, are created for those who, you know, have disabilities, will this enhance their own capacity and support them in setting out their own priorities in life? Will this empowerment help them instead of what this one situation was where, you know, the Afrikaans teacher told the student, you can't do it. Is it the best option for when when your child faces that, when they come home? Tell me, how important is that the, the parent empowers them and gives them the different avenues that they could go through? I'm going to link that to suicides. Mm. Why? Because most kids, the parents tell them, we want them to become doctors. We want them to become this. We want them to become that. Why don't ask the child, what is it you want to become? And you know what? When they're in, in a certain grade, maybe it's grade 8, grade 9, grade 10, take them and explore. Say, fine, you want to be a doctor. Let's go to Eddington Hospital. This is what, what the situation. Do you want to work at the airport? Let's go to King Shaka. So if you want to work as an accountant, let mommy take you. Or maybe, that's it. Allow the child. I'm, there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, they have the Girl Friday opportunity, you know, where they take the kids to work. I mean, that's what you get to explore that. But that opportunity is not given. So I think we, instead of educating, education doesn't start with the kids. Education starts at the top level with the parents, with the employees and so forth. When you're talking about opportunities on the ground, do people with disabilities face difficulties in even being able to get their in, initial interview or job or that opportunity? Is there a sense that there is no scope for us? Let's put it this way. The challenge is even taller than Mount Everest. He's deeper than the, than the mountains underneath. Our current campaign is 2%. We, we're not even scraping the barrel to get that 2% of what, the work. You know, 
the Department of Labor is doing what it can, it says, to try to encourage businesses to employ more people with disabilities and to accommodate their current staff who develop disabilities. Do you believe that's the case? No, not really. They've got great policies. Uh, it's, but the question is, who's implementing those policies? Mm. I mean, you get companies, I mean, you can see people with disability at the lower end. A simple thing, as an use South African post office as a good example, because it's state-owned, it's, uh, you know, by the government. And I mentioned earlier, despite me, I, I, when I was used to be an acting manager, I used to tell the area manager, both hands together as in a praying pose, please come and audit my office. And her response was, AK, no. I said, but why not? You, you're being unfair. You say you have to audit the office. He says, when you're in charge, everything will be spot on. But sadly, though, I couldn't get promoted because, again, now, apart from a disability point of view, we've still got the racial barriers. Mm. You know, if I could come in with a question there, Kevin, there are various pieces of legislation dealing with the employment of people with disabilities, stretching from the Occupational Health and Safety Act to uh, the Labor Relations Act and the Employment Equity Act. But do you find that employers are still not adhering to this and employing people with disabilities because maybe as Inga had described, they maybe feel that it's uh, too expensive to employ a person with a disability because perhaps maybe they would have to pay that person more than an abled person. Firstly, it's about, again, the worry sensitization. Human resources and personnel and employees need to have them sensitized, need to go through and understand this because what they do is they look at it and say, okay, fine, we need to employ somebody with five years experience, they have degree and diploma and they tick the boxes. But they don't look for attitude, they don't look for over and above, uh, they don't look back and say, yes, if you've got a disability, what else can you do? Now, for example, in my case, as a person with severe bilateral uh, hearing loss, Nobody would want to employ me um, in a call center. Hmm. But my previous company, I was head of uh, the telesales. How do you break that barrier? Because you've done it. So to other, you know, other persons with disabilities, how can you motivate them? How can you advise them to break those barriers? If you are, you know, uh, do you, if you have a hearing impairment and you want to work as a DJ or if you want to work in uh, telesales departments, how do you motivate them and say, these are the things that you can do differently or these are the things that you can do to stand above an abled person? Because as it is, your challenge is your disability. That's your first mark, you know, uh, you, you, your first negative in going in for that interview. But how do you get, how do you go on that same level, that same playing field as an able person? From a person with disability point of view, it's, it's all about attitude. You've got to start displaying yourself. You've got to, you've got to actually, before you can motivate anybody, you've got to motivate yourself. Before you can put your CV out there, you've got to be your CV. Um, you've got to get the, the necessary experience. You've got to get the exposure. Sadly, though, that opportunities are not going to come. Now, in South Africa, it's, it, it's, it's sadly very bad in the sense that uh, they cannot adapt to that they cannot understand and they're not going to change that but it comes back to the workplace again it's a question of the manager how will you work with personal disability what happens what the question is if something happens is it my responsibility um, and, and so forth then it'll be a cost off if a person's a wheelchair oh no we now need to change the entire building we need to change the entire infra infrastructure so that becomes the, the challenge. They're always looking at the profit uh, before employees, always looking before profit before customer service. That's where the challenge is. When it comes to employment, it's, it's important to note that disability is part of a human condition and that all of us either are or will become disabled to one degree or another during our course of our lives. So it either happens very early on or very later on in your life. But, you know, before we get to that psychological mindset and how you can encourage employers to you know break those barriers include persons with disabilities i want to just touch on your personal life a little because you know that stigma that is often associated with persons with disabilities can be very disheartening and can really impact you can and as you've described make you feel worthless 
you're a married man. You managed to break those barriers yourself. You have a great personal life from from what you've been telling us. How did you did you succumb that? <sighs> you know when you say that uh my wife uh, and I were coaching and um we probably about 6 months into the relationship mm-hmm. sitting in the car just about to drop her off it was raining purely romantic moment uh yeah and later i think so uh this about to drop her off and then she says to me you know i love you i said yes and i want to ask you something hey i'm just ready to reach for the door <laughs> he says you've got to be your own problem right And my next words was Rex I love you. But if you want to leave you can. He says but that's not what I I said my family uh knows you they all think you're great you get on well with them. And she said and the point was very clear. She says let's say I married the perfect guy. Two months down the line he becomes disabled. What do we do? Hmm. You're a great guy. There's nothing wrong. So I think for me that was the support base. Uh, and uh that's quite actually you know for me no matter what I do my wife is always supporting me and i think even irrespective of what challenge i take on i've got her support and that's great with it and whether it be a family member whether it be a work i think that support structure has to be there We're talking to Kevin Naidu, uh, giving us very romantic moments between him and his wife, but he's also going to be talking to us about a psychological mindset and more about what you can do because he has an impressive CV. Kevin is a training officer, motivational speaker, comrades, a marathon runner, and he's also a person with a disability. He's been uh, poached by an FMCG company. He worked various positions as well as uh, from began as a cleaner in the South African post office and then being promoted to a teller and eventually the acting branch manager he's a guy you want to hear more about stay tuned we're coming up with more of this with Kevin Knight exactly 1347 the season news break talk on Lotus FM Zakia Ahmed Sadiqi on life and style was it really my fault asked the short skirt no it happened with me too replied the sari It happened with me too replied the burqa the diaper in the corner couldn't even speak let life and style be your voice the 16 days of activism for abuse against women and children lotus fm says no to violence against women and children the views and opinions expressed on newsbreak talk do not represent those of sabc news or lotus fm Well, this is Newsbreak Talk on Lotus FM, and we're talking about International Day of Persons with Disabilities, which will be commemorated tomorrow. Our guest in studio today is Kevin Naidu. Kevin, we got a message on our WhatsApp line. It says uh, it's from Lisa, and she says, "I have a brother that has a speech problem, and no one wants to him employ him because of his speech." Um often you know that's the case we've been just discussing about the challenges that a persons with disabilities face in terms of finding a career and finding a job in today's society you know how can you motivate him and what can you tell him to 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 kind of encourage him and things that he can do differently to get a job when it comes to disabilities irrespective of what the disability is mm. you got to find what's our own strength is and uh, not everybody you know like and i use this comment quite often when i do speak to people and i tell them don't worry the deaf guy spoke to you the deaf but the same thing like with lisa with regards to your brother and i suggest as well is that get to understand what his strength is use it to your benefit and always remember that if he does something acknowledge what he does now use words like you're a star you're a master and also remember try and get him to uh, you know, put him on the spot a lot of times and ask him for example what's 7 times 7 isn't it go okay you've got to, what do you say to start to do but i think i, I think kevin uh, uh, lisa's brother is 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 not uh, not a young guy he's an adult now he's looking for a job and you know in terms of him having a speech problem within the community is uh, are they you know programs are there enough that is out there to help you know somebody like Lisa's brother to kind of improve his speech or to or have 
you know, kind of uh, uh, facilities, programs that are out there that will help him find a job with a disability? Firstly, with regards to, uh, from a speech point of view, as I was mentioning as well, in terms of facilities, they generally have um, the audiologists and speech therapists that generally focus on that as well. But sometimes too as well, even as I'm mentioning to you as well, as a support structure, we need to get that right. And then also remember, I'm not too sure what, and he hasn't mentioned to us, she hasn't mentioned to us what's his educational background. So that is something that we we need to, to find out. In saying that as well, uh, there's a lot of, there are agencies out there that specifically look for people with disability. DWDE uh, is one of them. KZN Blind and Deaf Society is one of them. I'm just off end that I could think of. And what you find that there's a lot of learnership programs in place. Now, you've got to use this learnership to your benefit. Now, with the learnerships, uh, I'm going to touch on that, is that Nobody does anything for free. So the learnerships is in place because the government will pay those companies. So you would actually get a stipend uh, at a certain, I'm not too sure, it could range. Uh, where you go to work, you learn a certain, um, a certain aspect. You've been there for a year and then what happens, they'll pay you a salary. And then after that one year, that company that's employing will get paid by the government. Mm-hmm. So automatically those are the... Uh, the easier ways for those, especially people with disability, to actually get into the the mainstream. They need to develop skills. Mm. What we were actually t- talking and touching on before, uh, Rajan spoke about it, Lisa speaking about it, many people commenting about it, is that employers just don't want to employ people with disabilities. So how can that psychological mindset be overtaken? How can employers start recognizing that not only is there a specific requirement in our law to allow those with disabilities an equal opportunity, which is important to note, but there is also a requirement to ensure that those with disabilities at least have a fair opportunity. They are given that fair opportunity. Firstly, government needs to walk the talk. The 2% campaign that they always speak about needs to be implemented. It's a great on paper. But it must not become an encyclopedia where it's collecting dust and it's not going to be used anymore. So that's what needs to be done. Secondly, uh, Department of Labor uh, also needs to ensure that these programs are carried out. So they need to ensure that companies uh, that employ people are incentivized, but also not really so much to incentivize people every time they do something, but also ensure it's a human right that people with disabilities should be given the opportunity as well. And thirdly, I think again to uh, from a ch- uh, whether it has to be from a societal point of view, from a or from a charity point of view or from an emotional point of view, I think the leaders of the industries from the top five hundred companies, including government as well, uh, needs to to start bragging about how many people are with disability they employing. If they can come up and say, you know what, we've employed this number, I'll call them a leader. Hmm. But in in saying so, uh, I I think who we're talking to right now is persons with disabilities because we want to commemorate them obviously tomorrow and then we commemorate the month but then you know they, they just don't they're not around just for a month or for a day it's forever we're part of our society inclusiveness that's what we that's the goal that's been set how do you speak to a person with a disability to tell them that listen uh, in society you're just a normal person You faced you faced that challenge. You faced that challenge where you felt worthless. You faced that challenge where, you know, you you felt like you wasn't good enough as well. But you had the privilege uh, through your hard work and your determination, of, of course. But you had that privilege of having a good support system in your work environment within the South African Post Office that helped you. But you know, somebody like Lisa's brother, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have. A job or as it is he just has his sister Lisa who's on his behalf you know trying to help him how do they make it in 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 life you know uh, recently there was a talk that I a group of uh, a discussion that I had in the speech my speech was entitled the ugly duckling approach and I said uh, you know for somebody that's what it's about it's about transforming from the ugly duckling to the beautiful swan it's not easy you know we can have the 
great eloquent speakers on. We can have the motivational. But again, it needs to start within uh, the, uh, the individual. And I think from... Uh, a lot more needs to be done at grassroots level from a family point of view, from family support structures, where they need to be ongoing saying, you know what, yes, you can do it, you will do it. And also remember, uh, even in society, organizations, uh, it's not a once-off, it's not a one-way approach. It has to be a multi-pronged approach that's going to help people with disability and that allow them uh, to improve their lives. I got a message coming in from the WhatsApp line that says, what an interesting topic. Let's focus on the colleague's perspective. Should it continuously be one's colleague's responsibility to assist the physically disabled? Some employees knowingly would make flight and train bookings for such persons and sort of abandon the person. I once saw a very disabled person jump off Khao train, uh, but none in the group were willing to assist with the baggage once out of the station. It happens often in workplaces. That's from Andisha. Thank you, Andisha. You know, what's your response to that? That's a sad, society, a sad reality of society. Not everyone is the Samaritan that we talk about. Um, I mean, everybody's like, why should I help him? It's not my responsibility. And, and that's what, what society is all about. Uh, society is always a case of, it's not my responsibility. You know, they always say society grows leaders. Society grows uh, a person. But also remember, the bad behavior of society is actually uh, has an impact. So sadly, though, uh, in terms of situations like that, uh, it's honest. We, we need to be delivering the message quite often. Um. You know, just wrapping up now, uh, I just wanted to know that you've motivated enough. Um, and I'm seeing just now, you know, our WhatsApp line is just going as uh, crazy as ever. We have messages coming through saying, hi, I have a niece that is perfectly normal. Teachers kept on saying she's disabled and kept on failing her with one or two marks. Finally, in October 2018, she broke down and doesn't want to go back to school. She was repeating grade 11 and turned 21 yesterday. I just cannot even get her into a learnership because learnership's one matric. She is good at doing hair and makeup and nails, baking, sewing, etc. Uh, a good conversationalist. I am stressing as her guardian to get her into employment that's from anonymous in benoni as we wrap up the program how your your last words of motivation i know we've been just motivating and motivating and motivating employers motivating colleagues but your last words to you know uh, someone like uh, anonymous from benoni who's struggling as a guardian as a parent even as a person with a disability what's your your last words to them about avenues that they have and about what they can do you know, I think if I've ever had goosebumps, I've ever felt, I think today was one of those days after many years. That's what the situation we are faced daily with. That's how many people and, is out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's how many. It's, it's, it's countless. But, uh, you know, and I'll tell this to all the parents. No matter what, you've got to be the backbone. And also remember, there's access to internet. Uh, and always remember, don't try for the, from a job perspective, don't try for the high-end jobs with the state-owned companies, with, with government. Also try the entry-level jobs. And sometimes, uh, you know, and we touched on off-air, was where they're going to technical schools. If that's an avenue, avenue that needs to be explored, it's something different. But I also think for now, it's all about not the tertiary education that needs to be on the paper, but rather in the skills that allow them to uh, to move forward. So I think that needs to be more clearly. But from a from somebody that's you know from a uh, picking up the pieces repeatedly, uh, all I gotta say, you know what, you just gotta hang in there, uh, and you know what, uh, the storm's gonna be there, and it's not gonna rain every day. Well, that's Kevin Naidu. Kevin's a training officer, motivational speaker, comrades runner, and he's also a person with a disability, which is a hearing impairment. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us on Newsbreak Talk this afternoon. Thank you. You've been a star. Much appreciated. Well, that was Kevin Naidu. Uh, you know, just as we go forward to tomorrow, International Day of Persons with the Disabilities, make sure that you understand you also give that person their rights and you support because that's a massive thing that's been coming through today that people with disabilities also need support they need encouragement and they need that understanding from you i'm talisha and i do have a safe and blessed day the newsbreak talk team will be back uh, newsbreak uh, team rather will be back tomorrow between 6 and 7 a.m with cutting edge current affairs it's now to uh, tracy with news
News break. Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.